This episode of the Management Trip Podcast is brought to you by Hotel Ryu Plaza, New York Times Square, located in the heart of the great city that is New York and is surrounded by emblematic sites such as Central Park, Rockefeller Center, the Empire State Building, Carnegie Hall, and the luxury stores on Fifth Avenue. Its extraordinary location makes the hotel the ideal spot from which to enjoy the authentic pace of New York life and an interesting array of cultural and leisure activities. We know, we at the Manager Madrid Podcast know this. They hooked us up big time um, on our trip to New York to cover Real Madrid's preseason. Um, the game sucked. The game against Atleti obviously sucked, one to forget, but the stay was great. Um, Rio Plaza, New York Times Square, really went out of their way to make us feel comfortable. Um, gave us a lounge area, unlimited drinks, bunch of snacks, peanuts, chips, fruit, granola, sandwiches. Um, really great place. So if you're staying in New York and you want to be in the heart of Manhattan, a stone's throw away from Times Square, book Ryu.com, R-I-U.com. That's where you go to book. And in a moment, I'm going to be joined by Ben Hayward, um, covers Real Madrid pretty closely and also Barcelona, is based in Madrid, does a lot of stuff at the Bernabeu. And... Uh, just wanted to give you guys a heads up. If you have questions lingering and are left over from the last podcast through Patreon, we're going to bring them forward to the weekend's podcast. And we're officially just revving out like three to five podcasts a week this season, basically starting this week. So um, Tuesday, loan tracker for our patrons over at patreon.com slash managing Madrid, which you have to be a patron to access. And then Wednesday or weekends, we're going to do post game shows for La Liga, Copa del Rey, Champions League. Um, the ones on the weekends will be free. The ones on midweek will be for our patrons. And then we're going to do mailbags. We're going to have special guests on like Ben, but other journalists um, regularly once a week. We're still going to do our historical segment. It just, it's going to be crazy. And then also, just a bonus, Mondays and Wednesdays, Churros y Tacticas are going to be recording. So Monday, we're going to re- re- recap the La Liga games. And then on Friday, we're going to talk about anything else that happened midweek and take your questions over at the Churusi Tacticas podcast with myself and Diego Lorin. All right. Without further ado, this is the Managing Midget podcast with myself, Kian Sobani, and Ben Hayward. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. All right, we have Ben Hayward, football journalist, a Spanish correspondent for the London Evening Standard, based in Madrid, is at the Bernabeu a lot, um, covering the games, pressers, and everything. Ben Hayward, welcome to the show. Hi, Kian. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. All good. Looking forward to the start of the new season. I was going to say, like, this is basically a whole summer almost up of just a lot of transfer rumors, a lot of drama, a lot of sagas. Are you looking forward to just talking about the football that's on the field? Because that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I am actually. Yeah, I'm kind of done with the transfer stuff now. Obviously, I've been writing about it, reporting on it and and all that. And it's going to carry on as well for another couple of weeks after the season starts. But yeah, I'm looking forward to focusing more on on the games and, and the trips, you know, which, you know, trips to all around La Liga to the new teams as well. And, and yeah, and, and watching, uh, watching Madrid, watching Barcelona, watching Atletico. Uh, yeah. 
that's what it's all about. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. One of the things I wanted to ask you um, was kind of like, are you are you just done with this Neymar stuff? Because it's like, how many segas of this guy are we going to have? We had the whole thing from Santos to Barcelona, which which dragged on, and also the drama with his family and and Roselle. And then you fast forward the way he left Barca for PSG, kind of shattered Europe because. It, just the way it happened, the transfer, everything. And then two years later, we're kind of back where we are. And uh, when I was preparing my show notes for this, I was going to ask you that I noticed then you put out a tweet kind of revisiting a goal.com piece that you wrote, uh, which kind of, I don't know if it outright predicted this, but at least it like planted the seed like, hey, maybe this isn't the end and maybe Neymar will eventually realize that the grass wasn't entirely greener on the other side. Yeah, I think so. I mean, actually, um, I was I found that piece just kind of by accident. I was looking for uh, a photo that I posted on um, Neymar's uh, presentation in Barcelona a few years back in, in 2013. Uh, and I happened upon that, that article and I, I opened it up and, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd forgotten about the, a lot of things at the time. And as I read through it, I thought, oh, this is quite interesting to, to look at now with um, two years on. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the article d- does say that, that that Neymar, you know, if perhaps two years down the line, two or three years down the line, if either if PSG had won the Champions League or if they hadn't, then he might uh, look for for new challenges. And yeah, that that's where we are. And I certainly didn't think, you know, given the the nature of his departure from Barcelona, I didn't think that there'd be a chance that he he would go back there necessarily. But I did think that maybe Madrid would be a possibility for Neymar, and it seems that. You know that even though Barcelona is is more likely at this stage, Madrid just kind of waiting in the background, um, you know, monitoring developments and and seeing what will happen there. And yeah, you wouldn't rule it out necessarily a move to Madrid for Neymar. So, do you think it is about challenges? Because um, I know you mentioned like just briefly, like maybe he's looking for a different challenge. Um, what was it? What was the challenge in PSG that he met? Because I'm not sure he's entirely even discovered that challenge yet or what it was. Um, and I'm not entirely sure what it is that he wants. I get confused about this. Not, and in some mm-hmm. ways, this is an unanswerable question. Like, we don't maybe really know exactly what's in his head. But the idea to leave and go back, um, what was it about PSG that kind of, do you think, just flipped it for him that he just wanted out all of a sudden? I think, Keanu, it depends who you believe on this one as well. I mean, um, when I said new challenges, uh, I was using his own words because on mm. his presentation at, at PSG, he, he said uh, that the reason for his move was because of, uh, of new challenges. But, of course, new challenges, uh, PSG, you know, what can that be? It, it really, it's, it's, it's being the main man and, and winning the Champions League, isn't it? Because, you know, domestically, PSG are so much richer than any other club in France that they'd be expected to win everything anyway. And they already were winning before he arrived. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure. You know, he says that it was his decision to leave Barcelona. A lot of people in Barcelona, would, I remember saying that it, it was his dad that was really pushing him, uh, telling him, you need to, to be the star. You need to be your own man uh, to move out of Messi's shadow, um, you know, get away from Barcelona. And at PSG, you, you can do that. And, um, yeah, I think I think maybe he didn't want to leave in the first place. I think he was very happy in Barcelona. But, of course, he was overshadowed um, by Messi. You know, there was that, um, that, that famous comeback against PSG. Um, and he was fantastic in that game, the 6-1 win at Camp Nou. 
he was the star. He was, you know, even more impressive than, than Messi in that game. But the photo, of course, that we all remember is the one of Messi uh, celebrating with the fans, and you know that that right. was it's become like the iconic photo of that game. Uh, even Barcelona even used it outside the Camp Nou, and I think they they wrote something like "History happens here." And um, yeah, I think um, yeah, Neymar was a bit put out by that perhaps you know he just had his best game for Barcelona and it was still kind of all about Messi uh, so maybe that was one of the reasons that, that he moved away but I just think that uh, maybe he realized that, that he just hasn't been as happy in um, in Paris uh, Barcelona is a, a city that Brazilians tend to like because uh, you know obviously it's the beach lifestyle it's the a kind of a similar climate maybe a similar culture to what they used to uh, at home and, um, you know, Madrid also, Madrid, Barcelona, we've seen a lot of Brazilian players here in the past. Maybe he just hasn't been as happy in Paris. He's been injured a lot, of course. And it just hasn't worked out. So, like, you know, that game you brought up against PSG, the famous comeback. Um, he was so unbelievable in that game. And I, I just remember watching it. The body language of 10 Barcelona players were so defeated after they needed to score three goals within like 10, 15 minutes, whatever it was, except for one player and it was him. Like he really believed that they could do something. And then he scores the free kick and kind of like all of a sudden you see little a little wind in their sails. And, you know, sometimes even when you look back on games like that and some of his great games for PSG, even maybe maybe lost in the shuffle of all the drama that he brings, this like insane tornado off the pitch that he brings. He's, he's really good. And like, and I wonder, but like having said all that, this is, this is one time where I start, I guess I start to question like how badly do Barcelona need him? And, and this is coming from someone who would take him at Real Madrid in a heartbeat despite all of his issues. Cause I actually feel like his talent trumps anything he brings off the field. And I think his friendship with certain players like Casemiro and Marcelo would, and and others, and I think with Barcelona too, I think it would mask some of the stuff because they obviously clearly get along with him. Maybe it's not as big as of a problem as we think it would be. But um, you know, Risto Stoichkov said today something interesting, and he said that um, they just there's there's no way that Barcelona should sign him. Like, where is he going to play? And he and he talked about you know that he would be a bomb inside the locker room. I don't know how true that is, but he also talked about offering players to PSG is kind of disrespectful. And like Stoichkov like comes out and says things randomly. And they're not really that interesting. And some of them are over the, some of the things he says are over the top, but I do wonder if there's something in what he's saying in that um, if you're like someone like Dembele and Coutinho and you're being offered to PSG and, and all of a sudden maybe the deal breaks down and you end up staying or, or whatever, how much of that do you think actually affects the locker room? How much do you think Barcelona do need Neymar? Like, is is all the money and even offloading one or two good players, is it worth maybe the marginal upgrade that they'll get? I don't know. I mean, first of all, I'm not sure that they really need him um, because obviously they've signed Griezmann, they have Messi, Suarez, and, and Dembele, who you mentioned. I think... It's difficult to see how he fits in, where he fits in, but he he has to fit in. I mean, they, in theory, if Neymar arrives, then all of those four, uh, you you know, Griezmann, uh, Messi, Suarez, and Neymar, they would all expect to play. Mm. So I don't know how that works in any team. Obviously, um, four forwards uh, is a difficult one, and there's a precedent there as well from when. Uh, 
you know, Barcelona signed uh, Thierry Henry back in 2007, wasn't it? Um, and so they had um, uh, Ronaldinho, Messi, Etu, and Henri at the same time, and they called them uh, the Cuatro Fantásticos. Uh, but it didn't really work out. Obviously, the next summer, Guardiola comes in, Ronaldinho sold, and yeah. uh, the problem solved, and they go into to great things. But the, when the four of them were there together, uh, they didn't all play at the same time. Obviously, Ronaldinho was a little bit on the way down. It was a different situation. But I, I don't know how you fit. Uh, all of those four into the same team because you, if you do, you need two of them at least um, to put in a shift defensively. You can imagine maybe Griezmann doing that. Um, maybe, I don't think you'll see Neymar really tracking back so much. I'm not sure. And, you know, Ernesto Valverde isn't, um, you wouldn't call him a, a really attack-minded coach. Obviously, Barcelona are, are still an attacking team. But um, he's you know, seems to be too pragmatic to to pick all four in the same team. So I, I think it could upset things in that respect. And then obviously if you you end up having one of those players on the bench, then that's not going to create a very um, happy climate at the club. Uh, as in terms of the players who could leave, you're saying um, you know, Coutinho. I think you know, Coutinho probably knows that, that he's um, maybe not wanted now at the club. Um it's a difficult situation when you have a high-profile player like that. Um, you know, he's only been there a year and a half, but he um, could be on the way out now. I think no player uh, likes to be used in a, in a pass exchange deal. And obviously there's talk of Rakitic as well, who's been a very important player. Uh, Barcelona perhaps um, has slowed down uh, last year or so, and maybe it's time for him to move on. But yeah, I can understand... Uh, how it would hurt the, the ego of a, a player like that uh, if you you know you're being pushed out to to bring in someone like Neymar. So yeah, we'll have to to wait and see how how it all works out. And indeed, if it works out, because um, you know Barcelona are offering these options to PSG, PSG and, and Barcelona don't get on very well. The relationship between the clubs not good. PSG would rather negotiate with with anyone else. Uh, they have a good relationship with Real Madrid. So, yeah, I think this uh, this saga is going to run on for another couple of weeks until the end of the window, definitely. Yeah, which is, like, unfortunate because that part of it always, um, I f you know, as a fan, I would rather my team, like, kind of just, if you can, and I, I know it's not always possible, but go the Jovic route and the Hazard route where you're kind of negotiating these players already and when the window opens, boom, you, you have them signed. It's so much easier because you can integrate them into the preseason team. They're part of the plans and you don't have to kind of throw them into the team all of a sudden when the season's already started. Um, but I, I want to ask you about the Real Madrid side of this, but also I think it's interesting about the idea of that all four of those guys have to play. Um, and if Dembele stays and he's, he's, gonna, he's probably losing his starting role, but you're going to have to rotate him in. Um, although I guess the other side of the coin is that Suarez could have used a lot of rest last season and maybe he'll get that this season if you have all these players who, who need to play. Um, I, one, side, one side of me says, like, if you have all four of those players in one team, how could it not work? Like, unless, I imagine that they'll just have so much of the ball, they'll be able to press high and win the ball back so much as their form of defending that, like, unless the young and Busquets and... And PK and these guys really are complete black holes defending counterattacks. I think eventually they're they're just going to score more than an opponents and probably 
it won't be as maybe worrisome as we think. On the other hand, I do think about like the midfielders that they have. They have so many with with Arthur maybe kind of start getting disgruntled if he's not playing because he has to take a back seat. And then you have um, Alain Yar, Ricky Puig, obviously in the B team. But then you have Sergio Roberto who's being moved to center midfield. I wonder about those players almost more about the, in the team dynamic and the dressing room if they start kind of getting uncomfortable that they're not playing because they have so many midfielders, you know? Yeah, I just, you know, I'm not quite sure how it works because, you know, let's presume that you know, Barberde has always played four at the back. So if you're playing with, with those four forwards that we mentioned, then, you know, that only leaves two spots in the midfield. So um, yeah, I guess right. you'd, you'd have Busquets and De Jong, I suppose. But um, it, it reminds me a little bit of kind of uh, Galactico era Real Madrid, you know, where you've got all these... Um, all these attackers in the team, uh, but you know it, it. When it works, it's absolutely spectacular. Don't get me wrong, and, and it did for a time as well uh, with with that team. Uh, but then you know, if you got teams who are a little bit more pragmatic, kind of looking to hit you on the break, which a lot of teams do anyway, against the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid, then um, yeah, I think it will be difficult. Um, yeah, even with the fullbacks maybe playing more defensively. I think it would be difficult to um, to accommodate all of those players in in that one team. And as I said, I think it goes a little bit against Valverde's um, philosophy as well. Yeah. So, um, well, I yeah, mean, that's the difficult. other side of it too. Is Valverde's um, as you as you mentioned earlier in the podcast that he's kind of deviated a little bit from the original like quote unquote Barca DNA, whereas he, you know, he doesn't have the team pressing as high at certain times. He's okay with playing a little bit defensive. Um, the Galacticos comparison is interesting because, well, mo- maybe not interesting, but just it brings me back to like these horrific memories of Guti and Beckham <laughs> as the double pivot behind this really attacking team and Guti and Beckham not nearly polished defensively like Busquets and De Jong are. So I think like, this this may work a little bit, but you know all those points stand, like how it really, it, it's at the very least intriguing to see how it all fits. Um well, you've got to have balance, right? Any team. I mean, it's not all about putting the best players that you have into one team. It's yeah, balance is so important. And you know, if you look at what Liverpool did against Barcelona in that you know, Champions League semi-final second leg last season, uh, you know, a team like Liverpool against maybe that Barcelona team with all those attackers, um, you know, you'd. Yeah, they'd, they'd, they'd have a field day, wouldn't they? I, I, I'm, I'm not sure I how it's going right. to work. Yeah. Really. Uh, I think uh, it could work against lesser teams. Like, you know, Barcelona could, could, could pick teams off, you know, smaller sides in, in La Liga, no problem. But it, uh, against teams that are set up to, to, to press, uh, that are physical, uh, that uh, are strong tactically and, and have world-class players, uh, I think they could be found out. So, yeah, um, no, I think that's a great point. I think it's more of a club signing definitely than, uh, than, 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 than for the coach. And I think it's all, it comes down to, to maybe um, the, the obsession that Barcelona have with the Champions League, that they haven't been able to win the Champions League since, since they won the treble in, in 2014-15. Uh, obviously, Neymar was at the club then. And I think, yeah, Messi and Suarez believe um, probably some of the other members of the dressing room believe a lot of the fans believe that that maybe bringing back Neymar is the solution to to winning the Champions League again but I'm not sure it's it's quite as simple as that and of course Neymar uh, if you're if you're Barcelona and if you're Real Madrid 
you know, you need to also look at his record over the last couple of seasons. He's been out injured a lot as well um, at PSG, and he hasn't been available for those big um, Champions League nights, you know, when it's mattered most, and they've been knocked out, haven't they, in the, in the second round. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, where, you know, where he does end up, uh, but also um, if he can... Um, keep fit over the, the next year or two after all his problems over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, the injury thing is is a huge red flag for me. And, and uh, one of our writers, Eduardo Alvarez, wrote an article about how he really doesn't think Real Madrid should miss out on Neymar and especially to Barcelona. And someone said, like, where are you going to even play him in Barcelona anyway? You can't, like, it's not going to work. And then I think Ed, like, kind of just half-jokingly said, well, he's going to be injured anyway, so that won't be a problem. And <laughs> it's, like, kind of half-true, but, like, I'm interested to hear your perspective on the Real Madrid side of things. Um, sure. Is he more needed there? Is he is he less needed? Is do we do they already have too many left sided players? Where does where yeah. do you think how how badly is he needed at Real Madrid? Yeah, it's funny you should ask that because um, I don't think it's been published yet. But um, I wrote a little piece earlier today, um, which is going out with a poll. Uh, on the standard uh, website, um, who needs Neymar most, Real Madrid or Barcelona? Mm. Because, you know, it, it feels like, uh, you know, Barcelona, we've talked about, you know, how does he fit in? Where does he fit in? Do they need him? Maybe not. And, you know, Real Madrid have signed Azad already this summer for the, uh, in theory, to play on the left. Um, the big priority, you would think, uh, and I know you, you talked earlier about Madrid's transfer business, it started the summer really well with you know one signing after another, boom, 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 and then it, it all just stopped, didn't it? And the, the, the big priority is, is supposedly to bring in a midfielder, and the midfield is looking uh, too static for me. You know, even with with Casemiro back, you worry now about about Modric and and Toni Kroos. <sighs> yeah, I think um, obviously from Real Madrid's perspective Florentino Perez would love to get one over on Barcelona and and he's had this kind of long-term obsession with with bringing in Neymar almost signed him in 2005 almost signed him in 2011 had a medical then again 2013 you know rivaling Barcelona and in the end he goes uh, to Barcelona I think Florentino would love to bring in Neymar but um, I'm not so sure that, that that's what the team really needs right now. I think the, the idea of signing a more mobile um, midfielder is, is, is probably, um, yeah, that's probably what Real Madrid right, need right now. Although um, it would, of course, give them a, a big boost uh, after what's been a difficult summer, if they can bring in a player like Neymar. And, you know, maybe you could play him on the right um, Hazard can play um, in different positions as well. He can play left, he can play right, he can play centrally. So um, I think um, yeah, th- there's options there, but I'm not so sure that it's he's what Ray, what Real Madrid really need either. Yeah, I think in in terms of trying to get on the same level as Barcelona, I think the squad is it's a good squad, but in terms of kind of just narrowing the gap gap between the two which to me I think there's a big gap right now um you he's more needed in that sense right like he he's more needed in the sense that they need more players who can just turn a game on its head when things aren't going right the tactics are out the window um they haven't since Ronaldo left they haven't had that presence who can kind of despite tactics despite tactical holds despite bad defending despite bad chance creation who can just put the team on his back and be like I got this and Hazard I think will be that player in many ways but I think he needs help and I and I, 
to me, the, the help is Vinicius, but I'm unsure if Zidane sees it that way, which means if you have Neymar, at least you have two guaranteed people who you can't bench who can change games. And to me, that's where he comes as the quote-unquote more needed signing. And obviously the, the, the counter to all that is, you know, there are actually two players in this squad who idolized Neymar and he was their hero growing up. One is Vinicius and the other one, Rodrigo. And I'm not sure what effect Neymar has on them, whether it's like, oh, great, this is awesome. We get to play with him. He gets to show us things. Or it's, or if it's more like, oh, well, we're never going to get in the team now. Like how how are we ever going to leapfrog ourselves into the team when we're kind of already fringe players under Zidane? So like that that side of it also is 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 there. Like there's no question. I think there's like pros and cons, right, with a Neymar signing. And um, I guess depending on how, how much you value character and team dynamics and chemistry and how much you think that's going to be a problem, there's going to be people who want to stay away from it. And there's going to be other people like Florentino, as you mentioned, who see this as a great opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're definitely right, Kian. I mean, watching Real Madrid last season, um, you know, they definitely, of course, they missed Ronaldo. I mean, uh, as you say, you know, he could pre- produce something out of nothing. He scored so many goals and, and just uh, really important goals, big Champions League games. And, you know, often when Real Madrid would be under the cosh, um, you know, maybe suffering a little bit defensively. Uh, you know, there'd be a counter-attack and then Ronaldo would score and then suddenly that changes everything, right? Changes the, the, the moment and the game, the dynamic and everything. And yeah, as you rightly said, I think that's what what Real Madrid have been missing. Gareth Bale obviously had a, has had, you know, big problems with injuries, uh, cons- lack of consistency as well. And obviously now the, the, the relationship with Zidane is, is not good either. Uh, Vinicius, uh, I thought, was very, very good last season, but he's still raw. He's still very young. Uh, he needs to improve his shooting in particular. Um, he's not really a goal scorer yet, and uh, they're, they're definitely missing a spark. Azad, I think, will be a good signing. I think he'll do well, but he's not perhaps prolific, certainly not in the same way that, that Ronaldo is, or obviously a few players are. Yeah. Um, but, but Neymar is, is, is definitely that that level isn't he you know um you know, top three or four players in the world and he's someone who can you know when he's on on form and when he's fit he, he can definitely change a game out of nothing and in that respect yeah he'd definitely be something that that Real Madrid need how much do you think Real Madrid were actually involved like is there do you think it's possible that they were only involved by PSG and or Neymar to push Barcelona further to make this deal happen, not wanting to lose it out to Real Madrid. Like, do you think Real Madrid are actually realistic? Is a realistic landing place for him, or just kind of this this third party thrown into the negotiations? I think that I think they're there. I think they're watching. I think they're monitoring things, as I understand it. Um, and I think Barcelona think that too. I know that, um, as I mentioned, the PSG and, and Real Madrid have a good relationship, whereas PSG and, and, Real Madrid, um, and Barcelona don't. Mm. I think I don't think we're going to see any bidding from Real Madrid um, unless there's uh, a real chance of the, this this Barcelona thing falls through. Because I think, you know, Real Madrid know that that Neymar wants to go back to Barcelona, and if uh, that deal is if Barcelona can put together a deal, uh, you know I still think they're favourites 
to sign him because you know the player's wish is um, is a big thing. Yeah. But no, uh, Barcelona don't don't really have the money to to bring back Neymar. This is why they're offering players um, players plus cash, players that maybe don't want to leave, um, players that that PSG are maybe not convinced by. And uh, you know, here we are. The weeks go by, and it's it's not quite happening at the moment. Obviously, Barcelona have been quite tight-lipped about it as well. They've been um, uh, well, they haven't you know denied it, but they, they Bartomeu has has basically said there's there's no Neymar case. But you know, Barcelona were were in Paris earlier on in the week, and the two clubs did meet to to discuss the transfer and. It's um, the, their interest is definitely there from Barca, and uh, I think you know Real Madrid. I think what, what we'll see is um, yeah, if the the move to, to Barcelona breaks down, then uh, then Real Madrid could could come in. But I don't think we're going to see them making a bid in the meantime because I think um, you know perhaps that would make them look a little bit silly if they come in for Neymar. You know they've missed out on him in the past. Yeah, if they were to come in again. And lose out to Barcelona, um, that maybe um, wouldn't 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 look too good. So uh, yeah, I think they're monitoring things. I think there is probably some contact there behind behind the scenes, but I think just just waiting to see how these these negotiations negotiations with Barcelona develop, uh, and then the, the, we may see them come in later on in the window. But yeah, I think there's something there definitely. Well, there was like this whole. I mean, especially if you're yeah. in Spain, you may have seen it trending on Twitter. The Florentino Dimission has to, hashtag. And uh, and it it came on the back of this like, oh he's going to his Neymar's going to Barca now, not Real Madrid. All of a sudden, like everyone was jumping on Florentino on this deal that they didn't even know was possibly in in existence, like literally a few days before. And I'm just like, how quickly do you just do you flip on people like without really knowing anything that's going on? Like in and uh, after he signed four or five players, like first the straight week, first week of the summer, and. Um, and uh, just like you, you kind of bringing this back to Neymar wanting to go to Barcelona, and like all of a sudden Florentino's this villain who couldn't get Neymar. But, but you're right. Like I think definitely he'll want to, um, especially knowing that he's already lost to Barca once, and if this happens again twice to Neymar. So, um, yeah, that's it. I mean, I think that's that's I think that's exactly why Florentino's not going to you know put all his cards on the table here because. You know, um, it would be an embarrassment uh, to do that and then to lose out to Barcelona again yeah. on a player that lost out to in the past. So, uh, to, in order to save face, I don't think he's going to do that. But yeah, you know that that that's Twitter, and <laughs> it's been a difficult summer for Real Madrid. Obviously, as you know, with results in in preseason, the performances haven't been good, and and there's doubts even about Zidane now. Obviously, Zidane came back. Earlier on in the year, and um, yeah, there was a lot of positivity about him having won three Champions Leagues in a row. Um, but yeah, um, the summer hasn't gone to plan, and um, yeah, the the spotlight, I, I suppose, um, is going to go back to Florentino. If Zidane doesn't work out this time around, then uh, the buck stops with the president. So uh, we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, before I let you go, Ben, um, what do you have circled on your radar for this weekend? What games are you watching? What's the standout uh, fixture to you? Yeah, there's some um, some, some good ones. Um, I'm hopefully going to be in Vigo for um, Salto against Real Madrid on Saturday. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I've not been to to Baleidos. I made it to most grounds last season, but I, I didn't get up to uh, to Galicia. So nice um, hitting a milestone. Yeah, looking to that. yeah um, that's it's a good game. It's a, it's a tough start to the season actually as well. Is, a tough yeah. trip, the first game of the season. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm going to be back in Madrid on Sunday for Atletico against Getafe. And yeah, Atletico, I think uh, I've had an exciting summer. They've really, really rebuilt in a way that maybe Madrid kind of hoped to in a way. Obviously, they've been uh, conditioned by the fact that so many players left the club and obviously that brought in a lot of money as well and that helped them um, to bring in all of those players really without spending anything. I mean, their net spend is, is pretty much zero. Um, which is amazing considering all, all the players that they've brought in. But I'm looking forward to seeing them and to seeing Joao Felix, who I think has been spectacular in pre-season. And I think um, I think Bar- Athletic Barcelona on Friday is going to be interesting as well. So, um, yeah, the big three. <laughs> let's let's see how how uh, how they all do this weekend. Um, yeah, it's going to be good. It'll be fascinating. I think there might be some uh, some banana peels for the big three in the in the first couple of weekends. We'll see. Um, everyone, follow Ben Hayward on Twitter. It's at bg Hayward um, on Twitter. Someone who follows Real Madrid, Atlético Madrid, but also Spanish football up close. Uh, go in f- uh, and follow Ben for the latest. Ben, thank you so much for your time, and uh, I look forward to seeing you when the season starts. Definitely, Kian. Yeah, so I hope to see you soon in Madrid. All right, before we let you guys go, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons over at patreon.com slash managing Madrid. You guys are all so amazing. Your support is really appreciated. We love you guys so much. One of your rewards, if you pledge $10 or more, is you get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to these awesome $10 plus patrons. Mikhail Nilsson, Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Nick DeStefani, Adam Dorsey, Frederick Rantakiro, Pascal Said. Christian Gonzalez, Leon Stavernakis, Bjorn Salvador, Essa Hariri, Ilian Zako, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Sad Omar, Oluwapamimo Oladunjoy, Patrick Odayafadi, Christian Toff, Dan Berthy, Armin Gashi, Tarek Sphere, Kunal Tilakar, Marin Myrtle, Tyler Dixon, Raul Gutierrez, Raghav Potluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujai Wani, Peña Maradista, San Francisco Bay Area, Brandon Stevens, Casper Muscala, Catherine Fagundo, Zoran Bostonchich, Sway Ayala, Crystal Glass, Rafael Servia, Yehin Liang, Karen Scherer, Somanchu Singh, Brennan Powers, Rovi Tagiev, Amy L, Anthony Armesto, Shabazz Sharapov, Fabian Moreno, Varun, Bernard Kufour, Jack Edgar, Ashik Bashar, AMB 6901, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Anton Hackberg, and Solomon Ortiz. There were a few in there that totally threw me off. They're new, especially AMB 6901. Thank you very much for your pledge. Um, and I respect your anonymity, but thank you. Um, really, the list is growing, and I can, couldn't be more thankful, all of us at Managing Madrid. All right. Thank you guys so much, and hala marid. <laughs>